Welcome to Precision Medicine Forum Podcast, chatting with patients, healthcare, industry and research professionals about creating personalized medicines for each and every one of us. Together, we head to the holy grail, mainstream precision medicine. Here's your host, Scott Buckler. Hi, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this Precision Medicine Forum podcast, which is celebrating 10 years of genomic sequencing and genomic progress in the UK. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Professor Dame Sue Hill. Those who don't know um, Sue, she is the Chief Scientific Officer for England and also Senior Responsible Officer for Genomics in the NHS. And we're going to have a little chat today about the progress in this last 10 years from Sue's perspective and the NHS perspective and a reflection on some of the achievements whilst looking to the future. So welcome along, Sue. Good morning, Scott, and I'm really delighted to be with you this morning and to have this conversation. We've managed to have a, a chat to a number of people, uh, in, in, including Chris over at uh, Genomics England. And uh, one of the things I put to Chris was... Um, December the 10th, 2012, is when the former Prime Minister, David Cameron, announced some uh, funding towards the 100,000 Genomes Initiative. We're now nearly 10 years down the line. Tell us, from your perspective at HS England and leading on this, what have been some of the highlights in this last 10 years? Yeah, well, first of all, David Cameron making that announcement was a seminal moment which sort of built upon um, the UK's world-leading position in genomics, uh, you know, over many decades, but also the, the UK's contribution to the Human Genomes Project. I think that announcement, though, uh, really set out how a, a project like the 100,000 Genomes Project would be utilised to try and drive the use of whole genome sequencing in the NHS and to really understand how it would add benefit to those patients with the greatest need. And those were determined at that time to be patients with rare, dis rare and inherited disease and patients with cancer. From your perspective, the, the collaboration with Genomics England has been in integral. The achievements of the 100,000 was, was quite rapid in, in a sense and, and, and it set the foundations for even further um, work towards genomics. That, that 100,000, how um, integral was that to, to what we see now? It has utilised genetics since its inception. Um, yeah. And even in the early 60s, our genetic laboratories were looking at whole genomes, but in, um, in the form of chromosomal patterns. What was really unique about the 100,000 Genomes Project was this uh, alignment between research and uh, routine care in the NHS, and particularly where patients were recruited from the NHS and, and consented for their data, both their clinical data and their genomic data, to be made available for research and development. And I'll come back to that for a little, a little bit later on. But to be in the form 
and within a database that kept their data safe, so between behind a firewall, where there were clear access requirements for anyone wanting to work on that data. So it started, it was the beginning, should I say, of establishing a national genomic research library. But what it also drove is an understanding of what was required in terms of transformation within the National Health Service in England to adopt whole genome sequencing, but also what needed to be put in place if we were going to align genomic data coming from routine care with research and development and how that could be used for patient and family benefit. So it was quite, it was in, in many ways a very unique project in terms of its coordination by Genomics England. That was only possible because Genomics England was sort of an arm's length body away from government. So they were able to move rapidly, to be flexible. But NHS England itself also invested substantially in the NHS contribution, and that was equally important in this. But that as we went through the project and successfully delivered, well, way in excess of a 100,000 genomes, that it gave us the understanding, the evidence on which we could plan to implement whole genome sequencing in the NHS. So that was what a, a key milestone in, in the project was the, was the agreement by the NHS England board at that time to fund a whole genome sequencing program within routine care as part of a revised and newly formed NHS genomic medicine service. You talked a little bit there, you touched on the collaborative approach, um, arm's length with Genomics England and NHS England. When I spoke to Chris and to Gillian as part of the participant panel, um, we talked about the collaboration seems to be a key word in the progress and the success of this last 10 years. Something that I think has demonstrated the effectiveness of this, uh, the the role of collaboration has proven to be successful in certainly in, in genomics and, and the progress you've made today. As part of that collaboration, um, there's also the research and there's also the industry technology innovation aspect of it. How important has the innovative side been within genomics and, and played a vital role in, in, in the success? You know, the, the words I would often use are collaboration, partnerships, mm. sort of uh, joint leadership on, on certain of the initiatives. And from the very beginning, um, representatives being involved of patients and families, that's covering both the rare and inherited disease side and, and cancer. But what's been really important in that whole partnership has been sort of building up and giving out messages about the safety of people's data, mm -hmm. how it will be utilised and what the benefits are of working not just with academics, but with working with in industry collabor collaborators and particularly those in their science departments. And 
what I was going to actually say is because of the amount of data that's now in the National Genomic Research Library, because of the involvement of academics and also industry scientists, to date we've had over 1,200 putative diagnostic discoveries or um, genomic variants that have essentially been discovered after the end of the 100,000 Genomes project. And we can come back because some of those are actually now coming from the Genomic Medicine Service. But it's been so important in really establishing a new way of working with a data set and a new way of working that's involved people around the world, but where there was a feedback loop into the NHS once it had been through a variety of different mechanisms in terms of was this appropriate to be fed back and then when it was sent into the NHS a mechanism within our genomic laboratory hubs to validate that variant as pathogenic and suitable for feeding back uh, to clinicians and ultimately to patients. Touching on the data slightly there the the when we spoke with Gillian, she talked about, for instance, uh, her personal role and, and how she came across genomics and, 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 and her personal story. The data collection and the role of data collection and the use of data has obviously changed the landscape of how people involved in the program see their data, but the benefits of utilising that data and being open with it. Do you believe... F- that has allowed more people to see the benefits of data sharing and opened up a bigger conversation for the role of data within within healthcare and how it can be both secure but also at the same time vital to for tackling diseases in the future. There's no doubt about it. The 100,000 Genomes Project at Genomics England really stimulated a discussion about the use of people's data, genomic data and uh, clinical data. And uh, indeed, I set up, sat on many platforms di- discussing the benefits. And also because I personally was a participant in the 100,000 Genomes Project even though I was the senior responsible officer for, you know, delivering uh, the, the project in the NHS. During the lifetime of the project, I developed breast cancer. And as, as um, what I had my tumour sequenced. And so I became a participant. So I knew about what I'd signed up for, what was going to happen to my data from a very personal perspective, Um, the type of conversations that needed to happen to enable that, even though I was fully conversant with them. But I, you know, I made sure that individuals who were leading those type of conversations had that conversation with me. But also, uh, you know, knowing the benefits that have come out of, of having collections of data together, especially when we have maybe genomic variants that are only seen in a small number of patients or rare diseases that are only seen in a small number of people in this country. But the real opportunity it provides to start to bring in others from across the world 
to start to understand the significance of some of the observations from whole genome sequencing. This special edition of the Precision Medicine Forum podcast is proudly brought to you by Divisa, the pioneering leader in diagnostic solutions for genetic testing. Fast forward to to October this year, actually, 12th October, and uh, NHS England's uh, NHSE strategy on accelerating genomic medicine in the NHS was, was launched. Can you tell us a little bit more about this, its, its aims and ambitions moving forward? In 2018, we launched the NHS Genomic Medicine Service, and really since that time, we were putting components into place. And the Genomic Medicine Service covers uh, our genomic laboratory hubs and and the testing that's done uh, within those laboratory hubs. It covers Genomic Medicine Service alliances that are trying to embed genomics into end-to-end pathways from primary and community care through to specialist and tertiary care. And it includes also our clinical genomic services, our clinical geneticists, genomic counsellors, and all of those different elements working together to really drive genomics into healthcare. Building upon where we've been, and in 2018, we set out our ambition and we started that process to get all those components in place. What we set out in uh, this October was the first NHS strategy for genomics in its totality. So patients in England can have genomic testing as long as it's specified on our national genomic test directory. And that includes up to whole genome sequencing for some conditions where that is delivered in a partnership with Genomics England. The strategy covers everything, everything, all different elements of those components. And it sets out four key sort of priorities. One, how we really drive genomics into the NHS in an innovative service model where patients and the public are key to that and the workforce is uh, appropriately developed. The second is how we embed genomics and we adopt sort of innovative models of genomic technologies uh, and think about all the different targets that we might want to include uh, from DNA, from those three billion letters, right up to the type of products that might be circulating in an individual's bloodstream that we could we we could pick up. So that's the you know evolving the genomic testing offer. The third priority area was making sure that genomic data was available to really drive that data-driven value set that is required to make sure that patients get the very best outcomes and linking with the NHS informatics and data infrastructure, but making sure as part of our commitment that we continue to make data available for research, 
not just genomic data, but data that helps us characterise patients. So we have this important relationship between genotype and phenotype that can be characterised. And then finally, how we continue to evolve the service through cutting-edge research and development and innovation. And that includes linking with projects that Genomics England are going to be taking forward uh, as, as we move forward. Finally, Sue, looking back in this last 10 years, um, which seems to have flown by, um, looking forward um, to the next five or 10 years, Chris was uh, speaking quite excitedly about the possibilities around, for instance, their childcare programme. Uh, he mentioned in there, the possibilities from taking the conventional uh, heel prick test of a child and the amount of diseases and everything that we can be testing for as uh, as newborns moving forward. For yourself personally, on behalf of NHS England, what's exciting you the most about the next five to 10 years when it comes to genomics and the possibilities? So the first is that the technology revolution is really accelerating at pace in the genomic area. Whether that's, you know, looking for early signals of cancer, whether it's enabling us to couple together different types of genomic technologies, um, so such as short read or long read sequencing, such as as we're doing now, offering large genomic panels or more targeted sequencing, that's going to enable us to really start to drive the diagnostic element of um, diagnosis within precision medicine, especially with our ability to to, to collect and analyse the data. So it's that technology revolution that the second and and that innovation uh, revolution uh, that the second i think is as we get it more embedded in in the nhs into clinical pathways it's going to change the face of medicine we're going to move away from an organ and a symptom based approach into more mechanisms and processes that might affect more than one organ So it's really driving a fundamental change in medicine. The third is the new initiatives that are going to be led by Genomics England, but working in partnership with the NHS, such as the newborn sequencing programmes, going to enable us to think about the use of genomics differently in that end-to-end life course, and even before with some of the other developments that we've got happening, even before um, somebody is born, and to really understand those things that happen between generations. And the final bit for me is that we really drive this research and innovation agenda, and we partner so that we get the very best, so from funding that might come from NIHR, from industry, uh, from the NHS itself, it could be from other funding sources, that we try and bring this together so that we can synthesise the evidence that's available every year and then look at how we can rapidly adopt uh, and implement that evidence 
and what's required to adopt that evidence. So that model of adoption within an evolving healthcare system. And I truly believe we are world leading in this. And, you know, the NHS is, is, is such a wonderful place to do this. Well, Professor Dames Hill, thank you very much. Um, and here's to a great last 10 years and to the success for the future. Um, I think it's a fantastic achievement. I think it's something that we all should be proud of, uh, being British myself, is something I think we need to celebrate more on what you've achieved and uh, I think we've got a bright future ahead of us. So thank you very much for your time today. Thank you very much and we most definitely do. That was Precision Medicine Forum podcast. Visit precisionmedicineforum.com to get all the show resources and find out about our upcoming episodes and events. And please subscribe or follow on your podcast app so you never miss an episode.